Hello and welcome to the 12 Minutes of Workplace Health podcast. I'm Harry Bliss, CEO and co-founder of Champion Health, and today we're joined by Gary Hibbard, a cybersecurity specialist. We know that there's a lot of risks that tie in between well-being and cybersecurity, whether that's the providers that you choose, or whether that's the employees that utilize technology within our organizations. We're going to discuss all of those areas and more. Welcome to the podcast, Gary. Hello, Gary. How are you doing? I'm very well, thanks, Harry. How are you? I'm really well, thank you. Really well. So today we've got a, a slightly different conversation to what our traditional podcasts have been. Normally we have heads of well-being or heads of HR joining us to talk about their experience. But today, what I really wanted to talk about was the world of technology from your lens. Could you just provide a little bit of an introduction to your world? And I've got a list of loads of questions in my brain that I'd love to go through. Sure. Okay. Uh, I'll keep it as short as possible. So I'm a cybersecurity and data protection specialist, been operating in this space for about 26 years. Uh, and I help organizations uh, implement security um, uh, processes and systems uh, to protect their most valuable assets. There you go. Thank you. Nice and short and sweet. Um, and I'm sure there could be much more of an introduction around that as well. But um, we'll, we'll keep it short for the 12 minutes. Um, when it comes to cybersecurity, um, a lot of people have got fears around what's happening with their data. And that's causing challenges with mental health as well. Do you see those fears being alleviated or can you only see them exponentially increasing? In short, it's, it's increasing. We, you know, we, we are all curators, creators of uh, data these days. So we're um, uh, using systems increasingly. We, you know, we have a digital footprint um, that many of us don't really appreciate. You know, on our mobile phones, you know, it, it contains vast amounts of data. And um, just trying to get our heads around the speed of change around devices and, um, and data and how it's being used and who's using it. Uh, undoubtedly brings a lot of stress, especially for those in business. And when it comes to the mental health of people in the cybersecurity world, but even developers, anyone working inside technology, there are many challenges when it comes to mental health, stress and burnout. I saw an article recently stating that 51% of people are utilising medication to be able to get through their working days and working practices. What's your experience been of the industry and, and what can HR do to support them going forwards? I think first and foremost is just to recognise that Cybersecurity is a, and I'm going to use this phrase, a necessary evil because of the fact that it's it's important. We need to think about how we protect our most important asset, which is data, aside from people, of course. And quite often, security is left to almost the last step or the last thought. You know, when you when people are designing products and services, be that whether they're accountants or HR specialists or uh, consultancies or uh, you know um, uh, legal services and such they're not often thinking about security per se so it's often passed to the IT department or the cyber security specialist almost at the end of the whole design process that says okay we've designed this wonderful product and service now make sure it's secure and certainly from a cyber security or from a developer's um, uh, perspective you know, that's 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 really challenging. We just need to think about the whole development life cycle. Um, where does security sit within that? At what toll gates are we, we putting in? 
When are you involving security? If you did it at the earlier stages, then it might be that we can alleviate some of those pressures on the teams. And is there anything else you'd recommend, especially with a population that has increased levels of neurodiversity, for example, and is looking to really embrace neurodiversity within within that sector? Is there anything else those organisations can be doing to support those people? Yeah, I think um, there's, there's a phrase I use quite often. It's slow down to move faster. And I think that phrase comes through in many different aspects of cybersecurity and just in our digital lives anyway. You know, if we're thinking about neurodiversity, it's a case of we need to engage with people earlier on in the process um, and seek broader opinion and insights um, because just talking about this from a cybersecurity perspective, quite often we hear cybersecurity professionals like me talking about MFA and 2FA and encrypt- encryption and um, you know enabling you know really strong passwords and such. And we're not really talking in a language that everyone understands. And certainly we're not you know we're not being inclusive enough. So we need to again think about the language that we're using and slow down, slow that development lifecycle down in, you know put some toll gates in there which include the cybersecurity aspects and um, that will again mean that you're, you're not having to reinvent the wheel and having to revisit things at the end or having to redesign something because you hadn't thought about well there's a whole a whole set of people there that we haven't really included and thought about in terms of how we're securing this data. I think that's a really important thing in terms of listening, bringing them in earlier on in the, in the journey as well. And something that I find fascinating is around psychological safety. And one of the big arenas of psychological safety is allowing people to fail and fail fast. But that somewhat comes at the cost when cybersecurity is so important and integral to our business structure. We can't really afford to make mistakes when it comes to cybersecurity within our organization. So is that one of the big added pressures? And is that one of the reasons why stress and burnout seems so high within that specific area of business? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the the bizarre thing in terms of cybersecurity is if you're doing it well, no one notices. You are the unsung heroes, um, but no one really cares because it's all gone well. If it all goes bad, you end up being the scapegoat and it's all cybersecurity's fault. And it's, you know you didn't secure us, you didn't identify the risks or the threats or the vulnerabilities. Um, and I see that time and time again within played out within the cybersecurity industry. Uh, I read somewhere uh, recently, and numbers fluctuate, but CISOs, chief information security officers, tend to stay in a post for no more than two years, two and a half years tops. Now, there's got to be a reason for that. You know, these people are expensive resources and yet they move roles really quite rapidly. So you've got to ask yourself, what is it that's prompting them to move? And it usually is because of the the pressure that they're under, um, you know, lack of support, uh, you know, lack of budget that's being given to the to, to cybersecurity, because at the end of the day, if nothing bad has happened, well, in that case, everything must be fine. So therefore, the resources go down, the stress levels goes up because the speed of change, you know, think about our worlds where we are today compared to where we were two years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago. The speed of change is just only going up. And we as cybersecurity professionals need to be in front of that. And as, as technology specialists need to be in, on top of that to be able to equip the business to be able to 
um, to deliver its services. And it's absolutely paramount to, to any organisation, as you say. I think that's a really nice example of when it goes well, it's unseen, and, uh, and when it goes badly, then, then you're the scapegoat. Um, and you mentioned speed of change as well, and that's something I find fascinating around innovation, what's next on the horizon. The last two years have really put cybersecurity on, on the roadmap from everything that I've seen. Um, what's next, do you think, in the next couple of years? What can you see? What trends are appearing? Ah, wow. I think we're in a, a, a really interesting place, you know, in the world of digital, in as much as, uh, you know, we've embraced digital in the last two or three years more than I think uh, any futurist might have predicted because of the pandemic. So now the way that we're working has changed dramatically, you know, hybrid working, you know, I spoke to a a company recently who just talked about in terms of uh, oh we we are remote first that's a phrase that you know is is a, is a fairly new phrase remote first so that means that when they're hiring people that's their first port of call but that changes things for um the way that we work together as teams and um that disconnect those gaps have always been the windows of opportunity that fraudsters and scammers will climb through. So when we are working uh, remotely, um, we're less likely to pick up the phone or email someone and say, um, hey, hey, I've just received this email, this looks a bit strange. We're, you know, we, we're not in the office where we can just shout over at somebody and say, Harry, you know, have, have you seen this email? Or, you know, I've just had an email from you saying that you want me to uh, send you um, our banking details. It's less likely to happen. And the key thing to remember is that um, that scammers and fraudsters, and we call them cyber criminals, but at, at the end of the day, they're just criminals using technology. Um, they are they recognize where we are. So it sounds pessimistic, but what I would say is what I, we are going to see in the future is more embracing of home working, remote working and such. But we're going to see an absolute uh, increase in fraud, cybercrime, scams and such because of that disconnect. So a big job for everyone is to uh, to try and close those uh, those gaps as much as we possibly can. Absolutely. I think that's a really strong message. And when it comes to well-being as well, I can imagine that there's going to be heightened anxiety um, from individuals having to always be alert to the cyber criminals, as, as you've mentioned. The, the final question I've got for you, Gary, that I'd love to explore is often when heads of well-being, heads of people or, or HR are putting together a business case for well-being, they look at areas such as absenteeism or staff turnover, um, aiding recruitment strategies, all the way through to, to the likes of presenteeism. Often, it doesn't seem to be on the case that reducing risk around data breach um, could be a factor that leads uh, that is what the result of better well-being. Could you talk around that a little bit? I'd find that fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. That's it. My advice to anybody would be, you know, whilst you're looking for uh, for budget increases in those areas, and and we're looking for the benefits of well-being and digital well-being in that space is about the reduction of data breaches, not just cybercrime, because we know that, that that happens, that's external factors quite often. But when we're working remotely, people, as we all know, we can quote lots of statistics that talk about uh, elongated uh, working hours. Our commute is a lot shorter from the bedroom down to the uh, our desks, you know, in the in the dining room or wherever they may be, um, which isn't giving as much time to wake up and to that cognitive cloud to to dissipate and to to clear. 
and people are distracted and they're tired. Um, they may be anxious. They may be worried about, uh, you know, the cost of living increases and such. And if the amount of emails are just ever increasing, if the digital distraction is only ever going up, then the likelihood of us clicking on that link that's going to allow that malicious uh, threat to infiltrate our systems is only going to increase. And the likelihood of us is sending the wrong email to the wrong person and therefore creating our very own data breach ourselves is only going to ever increase. Again, statistics, we can Google this, you know, but uh, various surveys talk about how quickly people check their emails first thing in the morning. They're using their devices as a, an alarm clock and they reach for their phones uh, even before they've put their glasses on. And cyber criminals know that, fraudsters know that. So again, when we see these emails coming through, we might think 11 o'clock on a Tuesday morning, we might think, well, that's crazy, that email, I would never click a link. But if you receive that on a Monday morning around 7 a.m., the likelihood is you would click it. So yeah, so that's a long way of me saying to you, to anyone out there, in short, if you're looking for a way to uh, improve your chances of getting that well-being onto the boardroom table, talk about the reduction of risk from data breaches and cyber attack. Thank you, Gary. Thank you for joining us today on the 12 Minutes of Workplace Health podcast. You're welcome. Thank you. For more exclusive insights and content around workplace well-being, please subscribe to this podcast and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode.